Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. If you're one of those people who listens to the podcast on the day it gets put online, then you'll know today's a Thursday. If you're not, you don't care what day this is. But for those of you who listen on a particular day, you'll know this is a Thursday because it's two days before Christmas in 2021 when I recorded this. It's a Thursday, which means it shouldn't be a question and answer day. But because I'm not going to do a live podcast on Friday, Christmas Eve, we're doing it on Thursday. Yes. Get ready for an exciting Thursday Q&A day here on Talking Real Money. Hi, I'm Don McDonald. Thank you for being there. And uh, Merry Christmas to all of you who celebrate Christmas. Happy Holidays to those of you who don't. And uh, Happy New Year to those of you who don't celebrate New Year's Day on another date like in China. So, did I cover everything? <laughs> Just say Merry Christmas. All righty. Ho, 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 ho. Here's the show. We've got a bunch of your questions that were called in to 855-935-TALK or were spoken in to your microphone through TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. And, gee, I can't decide where to start. So many opportunities, so many choices, so little time. Uh, let's start up with a phone call. Okay. Hey guys, this is Ben. Um, I do Paul Merriman's 10 fund portfolio, but I actually do 11 funds because I split the REIT into U.S. and international. Uh, wondering what you what you think about that. And then also I use Vanguard for both those U.S. REIT and international REITs. Uh, I was wondering about the Avantis real estate fund, A-V-R-E, that looks like a global fund as compared to U.S. or international. Um, Should I use that instead of both those Vanguard funds, or should I just use that as an international fund? Not quite sure. Can't find much information on the A-V-R-E details. So any help you could give me would be great. Appreciate it. Love the show, guys. Thanks. Well, this is a question I haven't answered before. Avantis Real Estate, which is global, versus a portfolio of the Vanguard U.S. Real Estate ETF and the XUS, the International REIT ETF, which is VNQI. The Avantis is is is, is inexpensive. It uh, costs 0.17. It's only got about 280 real estate investment trusts in its portfolio, whereas between the two Vanguard funds, you're approaching 900 because there are so many international REITs in the international fund. So Vanguard's cheaper at 0.12 for either one of those ETFs. So it's 
it's fractionally cheaper. I mean, we really are talking about just five basis points. That's not likely to make a big difference. This is where it's almost quibbling. The v, the AVRE probably you know, it's, it's a little easier to deal with. You don't have to rebalance as often. So there's a point in its favor. But you get more diversification from Vanguard. So this is one of those six one way half a dozen the other kind of calls. There really isn't that much difference. Um, I <laughs> if I had a Vanguard portfolio, I'd probably just stick with Vanguard to simplify things. But this is one of those things where we're really getting into the weeds and and we're quibbling over little tiny bits of nothing. I could go either way. Thank you so much for the question. I really appreciate it. Uh, you can also uh, send in your questions at talkingrealmoney.com, as our good friend in Mississippi, Cass, often does. Hey, guys, this is Cass from Mississippi. I've got a question about what my dad's asset allocation should be. He has uh, $225,000 in uh, VTI and uh, BND. And that's right now it's at a 60, 40 mix. Uh, I just changed it from a month ago where he was a hundred percent stock index. So, uh, we had a fantastic ride, but, uh, I'm trying to be a little more conservative now. And I want to get your advice to see if I need to make further adjustment to that. Um, I know you guys usually ask like, you know, how old someone is. So he's 85. He's in typical health for an 85-year-old. You know, I don't really have to worry about hospital stays or things like that. If he's in the hospital, uh, then that's covered by, um, you know, his um, TRICARE for Life and his Medicare. So, uh, but what I am concerned about is future of, like, potential, uh, like, long-term care or if he's ever in a nursing home. So, I know another question you ask is, uh, well, when is he going to need the money? Well, you know, he's 85, so he could need it for for long-term care like next year or never. So that's why I ended up just staying 100% for so long. So uh, now that he's 60-40 and that's 60 uh, VTI, 40 uh, VND, um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out uh, how much more adjustment I, I might need to do. Um, he, like I said, he's got $225,000. His income from um, pension and uh, retirement and Social Security is $4,100 a month. So I looked up and in my area, it says that the average um, straight up nursing home care is approximately $8,000 a month. So if I had to use um, $4,000 of his money, I'm including the $4,000 income that he has monthly coming in. So if we had to use that for a nursing home, uh, potentially, and then $4,000 from his portfolio a month, that would be worst case scenario. So since I don't know if I'll need it next year or never, uh, I'm just looking at worst case. So worst case scenario, if if uh, if he needs to withdraw around $4,000 a month, um, then what do you think I should have this asset allocation at? Um, um, I just have a feeling that 60, 40 is not right. So, uh, 
uh, if you could let me know, I would really appreciate it. Uh, any advice that you have on that. Thank you for all you do. I love every podcast and stay awesome. Now, Cass also added an addendum in a in a subsequent call or a subsequent question that her dad does live with her so the uh the the monies that might have to be spent for long-term care uh he could spend all of his his pension money his income toward that so it would truly be about four thousand dollars a month should he need long-term care and that's pretty much all in there shouldn't be too many surprise expenses which means that the $225,000, should the market not go down, would last for about five years, which is in excess of the average time. But, you know, the problem, we're not average. You know, some of us stay in nursing homes a long time. I know my, my uh, wife's mother did very, very long time in, in full convalescent. Um, so you got to be prepared for that. And that's where... The allocation question really becomes important because your dad's 85. Now, here's what I would consider. I would consider a very conservative. You did, as you said, you've done very well in the past year. Um, I would consider a very conservative allocation right now, given his advanced age. I really would have no more than maybe 20 percent in stocks and um i gotta tell you i'd really have vt instead of vti just because you get better diversification and therefore you should have slightly less volatility of principle and then i would keep the rest in bnd probably for the rest of his life you can be if you inherit the money you can be more aggressive with it later but right now i think it's important to make sure that you've got that five years worth four years four or five probably five you're going to get a little growth along the way so uh, i think we we're, we're pretty safe considering that uh, at a that a five-year amount and that should really be good in 99 percent of the cases i would think so I'd become more conservative if I was in your position, Cass, not uh, a lot more conservative. And I'm glad you become more conservative, but I take it down even a few more notches, probably to a, an 80, 20, 80 bonds, 20 stocks or 20, 80, 20 stocks, 80 bonds. Thank you so much for your question, Cass. I really do appreciate it. Now we'll go back to a phone call. 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Hi, this is Peter in New York. I've been a regular listener to your podcast for the last several months and really enjoy it. I have a question about your comments on annuities. You talk about them as if they are merely an investment alternative, but in fact, they are an investment alternative and an insurance product. I don't think they're right for me, but I can't imagine people who need the insurance aspect, especially if their portfolio is adequate, only if they get at least average market returns or better, and or if they don't live unusually long. If we looked at auto policies as a financial product only, we'd say, let's buy minimal coverage, invest the rest of the premiums, and pay the claims ourselves. This would work if we're average insureds, but wouldn't work if we had a catastrophe. Am I thinking about this wrong, or is it in fact a little more complicated than just comparing annuities with investments? Thanks a lot. Love the show. Bye. 
Well, Peter, yours is the argument often used by the people who sell them. Oh, yeah, you get life insurance. Well, if we're talking about the vast majority of annuities, those without a separate death writer, which costs more money, which reduces returns. If we're talking about your run-of-the-mill fixed annuity or variable annuity, the insurance is basically an afterthought. It is not. It's there to impart tax-deferred growth to the account. That's the purpose of it, because insurance policies through a loophole in the tax law can grow tax-deferred. But then there's the opposite side of the coin, which is when you take money out, it's taxed as ordinary income. Whereas a growth vehicle, you could have taxes at short-term, long-term capital gains or long-term capital gains rates, which are lower than short-term or income rates. The insurance in most annuities, and again, you can buy a rider and get more, but it costs more. So it's just like buying term life or whole life. It's only, it's only to give your estate the amount you put in should the market or the value of the investments go down. For example, you put $100,000 in a variable annuity. It has a, 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 a death benefit rider. But the death benefit rider is this. If the account is worth when you die, $150,000, there's no insurance paid. None. If, for some strange reason, you just happen to hit a bad market and you're down to $75,000 on your annuity, well, your estate, not you, but your estate will get $100,000. That is just not a very big benefit. And it's certainly not going to sway my opinion about annuities it's not like oh yeah you're gonna get this great insurance benefit no you just get your initial investment back well what kind of investment do you make hoping you only get your initial investment back if you die yeah and you kind of die to get that benefit so no i'm just i'm gonna stick uh with my opinion that has formed over the course of jeez when did i start doing my show 1988 that Generally speaking, annuities are inferior investments to those that don't have that insurance wrapper because the insurance wrapper is of negligible value. Uh, now we go back to those that were spoken. Question spoken into TalkingRealMoney.com. Here's our next one. Hello, I just got a quick question on portfolio construction. I've got about $150,000 I want to invest in a portfolio made primarily of Avantis and or the new DFA ETFs, or if another one, if you recommend, um, I've got a 80 on your risk score. I'm not going to need this money for 10 years and then might not actually use it at that time. That's when I'll be retiring. Uh, but uh, just curious how you would potentially construct such a portfolio. That's all I really got. I appreciate your time and have a wonderful day. Building a portfolio, a well-diversified portfolio from scratch without sitting down and talking to somebody is really hard to do. I can give you some generalizations, but I can't say what's right for you, even with an 80 risk score. It means you can be aggressive. So it means you can be 
heavily, heavily, heavily invested in equities. And as a rule of thumb, and it's just a general rule, we believe that the equity portion of your portfolio should first be divided and in an 80 risk score, you're going to be almost 100% equities, if not 100%. You can divide that down the middle first between U.S. and international. Then you want to peel off a portion. Again, this is only if you are willing to do the work necessary. This is where we really get into the weeds with these things. You've got to be willing to do the work, and the work requires you do things that often are very, very hard for human beings to do. And that is to contradict our gut and go with what is logical. You've got to be Spock-like. And uh, if you can, if you can do that, then you want to then split up your U.S. and international on either side of the coin. You want to put in, well, in a perfect world, about half of your your uh, U.S. and international would be value. And a large portion of that on either side would be small cap value. Then on the international side, you're going to want some emerging markets in there. And then to round everything off, probably want a total of about 10% of the total amount you're putting in, maybe as high as 20, in a REIT index of some sort. And we mentioned the Avantis one earlier in the show, the AVRE, which is a fine fund. Uh, As to which company to choose, (laughs) The similarities between Avantis and Dimensional are, wow, they're ginormous. They're they're so, I mean, basically, it's Avantis has taken the the ideas of DFA and, and tweaked them a little bit, but not much. They're so close to being the same that um, they, it makes almost no difference. They're almost interchangeable portfolio wise. So to create one specifically for you, hard to do. That's why we have, that's why we provide advice uh, through advisors. And that's the other thing. They, they provide this, uh, they're more counselors than portfolio creators. They're there to keep you calm, centered, to do the things that it's hard for us to do we don't like selling our winners and buying our losers but that what that's what rebalancing is it requires you to sell the stuff that has been doing well and in our heads we think is doing well well i'm not going to sell the stuff that's going up and buy the stuff that's going down well no you're selling the stuff that has gone up to buy the stuff that has gone down doesn't always work but it has tended to smooth the ride it's one of the few ways that you can effectively buy low and sell high which is the key so uh interchangeable we believe in emphasizing small in value we think some emerging should be in there but it makes it more complicated to manage which is why so often we just tell people to go get vt Vanguard Total Bond Index. Maybe throw in their small cap value index. You could do it with Avantis, too, or with Dimensional. Thanks so much for your question. And back to, let's do one more phone call, and then we'll do one more 
that um, was sent into TalkingRealMoney.com. Hey, guys, I love your show. I watch the YouTube channel um, every time I can get a chance to. And I also listen to a lot of other shows. And one of them in particular is Rick Edelman's Sunday show that he's been doing for 30 years. And my question is, what is the difference between, let me rephrase that. You guys are vehemently against crypto and Rick Edelman is totally for it. I was wondering if you were aware of that and um, if you could speak on that on the show. And um, that's it. I value everybody's opinion. And it's uh, interesting how differently a lot of people feel about crypto. So I was curious of why somebody as respected as Rick Edelman is totally on board with it and how you guys feel about that. Thank you. Ah, Rice Delman, Rick Edelman. Um, I can't speak for Rick, obviously. I've listened to Rick for years. And I know in the past, his advice was pretty good. He shared a very similar philosophy to ours. Then he sold his firm. He's cashed out. And uh, he was looking for a new venture from what I understand, but I have the same information you do through the media. And Rick decided that he wanted to get involved in cryptocurrencies. Now, as a public figure, I certainly can question his judgment and his motivation. But I don't know why. It, it, it begs logic. Because it is so illogical, except for one possibility. And and this is the most likely possibility, the fact that he's getting into the crypto business. And if you're going to get into the crypto business and you want to make money in the crypto business, are you going to speak ill of the crypto business? Are you really? Are you going to say, well, you know, there's the possibility that it'll do well, but there's also this downside and that downside and these risks. And, you know, you, you, you speak ill of your own business and, well, you're not going to get as rich. And for some reason, people who get really rich like Rick are just obsessed with getting richer. I don't understand it. I, I really don't, but maybe it's because I'm not rich. Okay, to a really poor person, I'm sure I'm rich. But to a guy like Rick Edelman, I'm a pauper. And so <laughs> I just don't have this this desire to to do whatever it takes to make a buck. I don't. And, I, and I'm not going to lie to you about what I think about cryptocurrency. I have no interest whatsoever. None. I'm not short crypto. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't have anything to do with it. I don't have any reason for telling you that I think I fear crypto is likely to cost millions of people, billions of dollars. Uh, just cause I believe that I believe that what we're dealing with is an asset with no value. I kind of understand where value comes from. And value comes from assets. Value comes from earnings. Value comes from a, 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 a promise, a bond. Crypto isn't even a promise. There's no promise that they're going to give you anything. They don't tell you it's worth something. 
They just say, gee, it's worth this much today. We don't know where it'll be tomorrow. So I don't know why Rick does it. I, I, I think, I think it's because of greed, but I don't know that. I just think it. And finally, finally, we wrap up this special Thursday Q&A edition here. Hi, Tom and Don. I'm uh, 64 years old living on a fixed income. Right now, my pension does pay all my bills, but there is no cost of living increase associated with it. So that concerns me long term. Um, I have yet, have yet to collect Social Security. Uh, I have a substantial uh, net worth that uh, right now is uh, what you would refer to as diversified in hodgepodge-itis. And I would like to simplify things with two ETFs. What I'd like to do is put 70% of the money in Vanguard Total World Stock Fund and 30% of the money in Vanguard Total World Bond Fund, and then have some cash on the side uh, in CD laddering. What do you think about that portfolio? Is that something that could work? Look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much. Love your show. Well, it sounds like you're in very good shape. If you can live off your pension and you're not collecting Social Security and Social Security will just be gravy. And of course, Social Security has a, uh, a uh, an inflation adjuster. And you have money in investments and it's a hodgepodge today. I would suggest that you go to Talking Real Money and take the risk quiz. See how much risk you're comfortable taking and then build the appropriate VTBND portfolio, the Vanguard Total Stock Index ETF and the Vanguard Total Bond BND. I wouldn't go with global um, because with global, you start to get into some currency hedging and complexity. And I think bonds bonds are designed to 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 provide stability. And uh, when it comes to, when you add another fluctuation, a potential fluctuation from currency exposure to a portfolio, you potentially add to volatility. And it's this is the thing that I think is hardest for investors to grasp about our philosophy. Our philosophy is build a portfolio to reduce volatility, not maximize return. Yes, we want to make as much as possible within your comfort zone but it's uh it's bonds aren't they're not a big money maker never have been that's not what they're there for they're there for stability and you lose some stability when you go with global bonds which is why we we would prefer to see you go with the simplicity of bnd i think i speak for tom let's see that was six questions that's pretty pretty darn good um thank you so much for for listening to all of these podcasts we've really grown over the year really really grown uh the the next live one we do uh, will be on january 1st we, we're not doing a live christmas show on como radio that turns into a podcast because of course it's christmas um but we will do a um a live show on January 1st and we'll be taking your calls between three and five Eastern at eight, five, five, nine, three, five talk. Also for those of you in the Seattle area, or those of you who listen to uh, our show on Como radio in Seattle, as part of their Christmas 
I'm also uh, reading short stories at uh, four times during the day at uh, <laughs> at noon Pacific time, at 6 a.m. Pacific time. Oh, at midnight, Christmas, right after Christmas Eve, Pacific time. And then again at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time on Como Radio. And you can listen to those same stories, though, if you'd like, if you're anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world. Just go to litreading.com slash Christmas, litreading.com slash Christmas. That is my hobby. I, I read short stories. And right now, I think there are 10 Christmas stories. If you include the night before Christmas, which is a poem, really. Uh, so check those out. And thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I wish you the most wonderful of Christmases. Please stay safe. If you're around people who you're not sure uh, are vaccinated or uh, free of COVID, please wear masks. I want to keep you around for a long, long, long time. So be safe. And... Um, if you love what you hear, please leave a review at Apple Podcasts. If you hate it, you can leave one, too. We read those on the air. Um, let's see. Anything else to cover? No. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.